Hello everyone, my name is uh, Tom Newton. I'm with Peer to Peer Partners and welcome to the um, P2P uh, podcast. Uh, it's uh, December 3rd, 2019 and uh, thanks for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, we're going to uh, have, a, have a nice chat uh, on uh, partnering in the marketing uh, automation ecosystem and uh, couldn't think of uh, a better guest to, uh, to join us today than uh, Josh Wagner. Uh, he's the head of partnerships over at, uh, at LeadMD. Josh, how are you today? Hey, Tom, dude, I'm doing very well. It's great to hear from you. Great to be on the show. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on and, and spending the time. I really, uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, we just kind of wanted to um, to get you um, get you on the call today and uh, and dig into what's happening in the uh, in the marketing automation ecosystem, and particularly kind of in your 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 bailiwick, and that's around uh, partnerships. Sure. And uh, just kind of yeah, kind of see what's going on, um, see what's working, what's not working, and kind of kind of going from there. So um, if that's uh, that's good. Then why don't we maybe just kind of kind of dig in. Yeah, absolutely. I think the marketing automation space is certainly interesting. I've spent the last you know, a little over five years selling to and through marketing automation sales reps for the most part. And I would say that marketing automation was kind of the early impetus for what has become and grown into the MarTech landscape. And we've all seen the super graphic of some 6,500 marketing technologies. Marketing automation sits right in the center of that as one of the core platforms. So that, you know, when I think of marketing automation, I think a little bit broader into the entire MarTech landscape. But if we drill into marketing automation specifically, I think it's a bit of a critical juncture for those platform providers. And I think of the big guys, Marketo, Pardot, HubSpot, Oracle's Eloqua platform, Marketing Cloud, those types of things. It's, it's a little bit of an interesting time for them because they're at a pivot point, right? You saw recently a big article by John Miller, right? One of the, the godfathers yeah. of marketing automation, co-founders of Marketo. And he's saying that the, the world that he created of demand generation and filling the pipeline at the top through content marketing and automating those follow-ups and nurturing and MQLs and scoring and that whole concept is really starting to die because of the demands of the buyer and the buyer is demanding an experience that's far more personalized and just a lot more demanding on the sellers to understand them to understand their needs to understand where they are in their buying cycle what does their journey look like meeting them at the right content at the right place and not just through this almost linear demand funnel so we've seen lots of iterations of that abm while had the right idea or maybe has the right idea, I don't think has been fully executed properly. Yes. So obviously John's new company, Engagio, trying to fill that void and he's doing some great things around trying to talk about account orchestration and things like that. But the big thing that I'm seeing in the space in general is folks are having a problem with data. And marketers really latched on to marketing automation because it was a tool to aid their job. It created automation, it created workflows, it created the marketing technologist, it created this whole new skill set in the industry, which is great. It created jobs, it created demand, it created all these things. But the rest of the organization didn't necessarily fully embrace marketing automation. For the most part, 
except for some of the very large enterprises, marketing automation was bought by the marketer for the marketer almost without IT, right? In the, in the background, hey, IT, let's not, let's not tell them about this. What can we do without getting IT? It's in the cloud. There's a lot of stuff we can do. All we need to do is hook it up to our CRM, right? And it, and it kind of was just a little bit under the radar. But the problem now, as I outlined the current buyer landscape with, with buyers wanting you to understand them at a very deep level, they're leaving a data trail and they're leaving it all over the web. They're leaving it through personal interactions. They're leaving it through email. They're leaving it through digital media, all these different places. They expect that you understand that. And marketing automation really only touches your, your web property and how you interact with their emails. And if you do it really well, you can track and measure how you're doing it cross channel. But most companies in my experience don't do it really well. So you've got this very small view of what your buyers and customers are doing. So you're starting to see the rise of the customer data platform. There are a number of folks out there that are pivoting their solution into the CDP space, but generally, there's just this rise of a, of a need to aggregate data and create a holistic 360 degree view of the customer. And I think that the marketing platform, I don't wanna call it marketing automation per se, but whatever that platform is that makes that easy, maybe it's the CDPs, maybe it's the marketing automation vendors, vendors make a huge pivot, maybe it's somebody else that comes out of, the nowhere, out of nowhere. But whoever makes that, easy and, and software companies love to sell on the easy button yep. and comes straight from again five six years of selling through software sales reps and, and to software sales reps that they sell their platform on easy they don't want to hear the struggles and they leave it to their either internal professional services group or partners like someone like us lead md who helps people to implement, optimize, and create process around these softwares right. and technologies. They don't want to hear that. So, right. so that's, a, that's a terrific segue. So maybe just for context and for the, the listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about what LeadMD does? We're a marketing performance consultancy. And what that means is we are bridging the gap really between the big traditional consulting where it's very heavy on strategy and very light on actual systematic deployment and oper operationalization within an organization. And on the other side of the coin, the boutique tech focused shops that implement technology, optimize technology and whatnot. We're bringing those two together where we can help deploy your go-to-market strategy, help develop and harden your go-to-market strategy, deploy it and create process around it, engage it, implement it within your core systems and then help to track and measure that throughout your systems and bring that outcome back to your executive leadership to show that, listen, we built this strategy, that strategy has a plan in order to execute it. We're deploying all of these tactics and market and we ha have a way to support all of that through a sound foundation of data technology and people. Right. So that's really where we fit in the marketplace. And as I mentioned before, we have this table of MarTech partners that we work with to again not only implement their technology but make sure that their go their customers go to market strategy is informing the implementation of that technology so they're not just taking some some new shiny object plugging it in and hoping for great results rather you've done work likely you've done great stuff within your business you, you there's no company that you're going to go to that says oh yeah we don't have a go to market strategy 
Of course they do, right? You, you're in business. You either partnered with someone like a big consulting firm to develop it, or you have great leadership internally that developed it. However it came about, you've got some sort of strategy that go into market. And oftentimes that doesn't get trickled down into technology and through the rest of the organization and have a real operational plan. And that's where we can step in and help. Right. Interesting. Thank you. So you're the head of partnership. So when you say partners, are you talking about vendors that you uh, implement for, or does your partner program go beyond that? We have the, the lion's share of our partnerships are technology companies and software companies. Right. And there are a few outliers where there are other services companies that are complementary to us that we do some light partnership with. But for the most part, we are trying to support software companies in, in one of two ways. One is helping them scale professional services for their own platform. So many times software companies early on, they start with a, a light customer success team. They have this basic onboarding plan that they give away for free. And then they get to this critical juncture where yep. they realize we need to start offering some more robust services to our customers and they start to figure out how to charge for it. What does that look like? Many times we're, work, we're operating as an outsourced arm of that for software companies where they don't have to build out and scale this mass, massive PS organization because a lot of times if they're looking to IPO or get acquired within any period of time, they don't want that services revenue on their books. So we can help them design a professional services organization, build a light in-house so that they have some baselines there, but then outsource some of that as well so that some of that services-based revenue gets off the books and it looks better to the street in a lot of cases. Right, that's, that's one, very, very interesting. Yeah, one piece of partnerships. And then the other is more of what I outlined before and it's more direct, right? Strategic right. consulting, leveraging technology to develop very specific business outcomes. And that's more of our, our direct model where we're selling through and to software reps, helping them really advance their deal cycles by building business cases and building onboarding plans and roadmaps and those types of things. Right, right. And so what do you look at as your keys to, to growth then? So is it adding more the latest uh, bright, shiny object, the, 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 the next tech that's coming down the line that people are going to get all excited about? Or is it going deeper into, uh, into these uh, partnerships and, and, and into the accounts? For us, partnerships are always key because, you know, it has a two-pronged approach. One, it can help you with acquisition of new customers, which, you know, in any business you have to have. It's a little bit different in a consulting services business where you do see a lot of land and expand growth. But frankly, the partnerships help on both fronts. On the technology acquisition side, we can work to help, like I said, implement new technologies, provide that third party point of view for a lot of different customers out there who are trying to make sense of the entire landscape and ecosystem. And many times we vetted, a lot of our partners are people that we vetted through that process and said, listen, I know there's 6,500 companies out there in the MarTech landscape, but we only work with the best of breed. So we've fully vetted that process. We've whittled it down to the top two or three that we think are worth your consideration and we can help advise you as to what fits your use case the best. So that's very much, that's very good for us on the net new acquisition side. On the expansion side, once we have a customer in the door, oftentimes we are doing ongoing strategic advisory or staff augmentation or a number of things. And 
different use cases come up for customers. So if we're able to tap into our partner network and solve problems via our partners, that makes our relationship stickier. It creates stickier relationships with our partner because we're referring them business. And it's very incestuous that way. And it's a really good ecosystem for us when it's working well. Now, there's a lot of challenge built into that. I don't want to say it's all rainbows and unicorns. But when that model is working really well, it's very cyclical, cyclical and very good for everybody. Right. Cool. That, that, that's wonderful. So um, when, when, you're, when you've got an account um, on the go, uh, you're in sales motion with, with one of your technology providers. Are, so are, are you co-selling together? Do you have one of your, your reps in there with the with the, the technology with the vendor rep and uh, and co-selling together with uh, in, into the account. Yes, that's okay. our that's our bread and butter. And oftentimes right. you'll find that, and you know you've probably experienced it yourself, Tom. Right? You you've tried to purchase software, and because of the rapid growth environment that's out there, you get a lot of young green reps, right? That. Yep don't necessarily know how to sell beyond feature and function. Yep. And our value in those conversations and those co-selling cycles is really to bring the business lens and to help get out of feature and function and into what outcomes are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. What happens if we do this together? What's the business impact? How do we build an ROI model around this holistic solution? And that solution is not just plugging in the software. That solution is making this software an integral part of your marketing go-to-market plan. And if we do these things, here's the business case. Okay. Are you bought into this business case? Yes. Okay, great. Now, how do we get there? And oftentimes our job then is to bring the how, right? The, the software is going to be the vehicle to do all of these things, but how does it actually happen? And that's where we can come in beyond that business case and turn it into an actionable roadmap and implementation and optimization plan. Wonderful. So have, do you have a, a sales, a playbook for your salespeople for, okay, you're going on this call and you're, you're in there with, with the vendor, say with, with the Marketo rep and you guys are, are co-selling together. That's a pl- that's playbook one. But then on your next call, you're going direct by yourself um, into an enterprise um, account. And that's playbook number two, because those are two different sales motions. Do you, have you thought about it that way? We do. And that is one of the big differentiators we have to make in our own brains of when to pivot, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I would say that there's even another playbook ahead of your first one, mm-hmm. which is educating and constantly staying in front of and selling the partner sales reps. Because for sure. You know, their job is not necessarily to bring you in to sell services. Their job is to sell their software. And in many cases, you're viewed as a threat. Yep. Right? Even though your your goal is to help them sell software so that you can sell services, it's kind of this symbiotic relationship. But you're viewed as, okay, maybe I have an internal PS team. That's one throw to choke. I don't have to deal with somebody else. There's that. I've heard a million times. There is, I don't want you slowing down my deal and saying, oh, this is going to cost $500,000 in services. That's going to take budget away from me, right? That's, got, the, big, that's the biggie. That's the killer. Right. You, yeah, yeah. You, you've got that one. Yeah. So there's this ongoing educational selling cycle to the software reps to even get opportunities, right? right. We're fighting for that bats. Mm-hmm. And 
you really, that needs to be constant. If they don't see you, if they don't get, have a phone call with you, if they don't have a conversation with you, if you don't remind them of this win, if you don't tell them about how you really, you successfully implemented the customer you co-sold three months ago, if you don't remind them of that stuff, it never comes back around. Right. So that is playbook one for yep. co-selling is constant education, reminding them of the triggers. What do you, if you hear this, do this. If you see this, do this. Like that is the first part of it that's super critical and really has been the lifeblood of LeadMD since, since day one. Right. Now we pivoted and transitioned our business to lessen the overall need to have all of our revenue coming through the partner channel. So right. I, I would say there was, a, there was a point in time when partner revenue was 100%. And we are not able to hit our own growth goals without having some of that direct business that is sourced by our own diligence. So, you know, the, the partner sales motion for us is actually our bread and butter and what we've done forever and understanding how to educate those people and, and get in front of them. That's, that's what we're probably the best at. And the direct sales motion where you're going out and selling consulting, who, who on earth wants to buy consulting, right? right? So creating those entry points so that you actually are creating environment where you're bringing a customer in that maybe isn't a customer of one of your partners that you can now refer them business to because you've made a recommendation. Now that brings us up a notch, right? In the eyes of a lot of our partners. Yeah. So that's another playbook that I think we're good at, but there's probably the most room for improvement because we've, we've sold through our partner network so successfully in the past. Right. That, 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 that's fabulous. That it's engagement, 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 right? It's like, it's like real estate and location. Just, you can't, you just can't be engaged enough with, uh, with those, with those vendor reps in, in order to kind of move the, the business forward. It's so true. Yeah. So, um, transition. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. There's a lot of transition. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you yeah. may have some great, say you have five great relationships. Yeah. Those five great relationships could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. constant. Yeah. Bob and Sue just left for another company. Oops. <laughs> there goes that plan. There goes my quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So, so to, in, in that vein, so do you use like some ABM strategies and, 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 um, and, uh, account mapping and, and, and that, those kind of tools to, uh, to kind of help you along? For sure. You know, we have to drink our own Kool-Aid to a certain extent, right? The things that we consult our customers around, it's important that we're doing those things internally. And, and oftentimes when we're in a sales motion, our best case study is ourselves, right? And we can yeah. directly point to how we implemented it at our organization, what the impact was, and what are some of the pitfalls and that you can foresee. Now we have a stable of customers we can do the same thing for, right? I mean, LeadMD is a small consulting firm, so it's not always a one-to-one, -one. but when you have that direct, hey, listen, I'm a user of this every single day, and this is how I got to you, or this is how this happened, yep. it's, it's actually a fairly compelling story. And you know, I think there's a lot of companies out there that use their own, drink their own Kool-Aid and use their own software. I know I have some really good friends over at Engageo and, and they're great salespeople. And, they use their platform day in and day out and they use it very effectively. Right. So that model can work really well when you can use yourself as your own case study and show people, Hey, listen, we did these things here and this is how I got to you. And this is how we can make you successful the same way. Right. So certainly have yeah. those things 
from a partner standpoint, you know, I think that space is growing. There's, you know, the, the traditional in partners of the world, right. That have been around for probably a long time. You've kind of got your Salesforce PRM and community types of things that have been around for a long time. And then you've got some players that are in the up, up and coming like a partner tap or maybe a, um, all bound and stuff like that, or that are trying to find their way in the space yeah. and, and figure out who are they going to be? What's their bread and butter going to be? How are they going to help the relationship, the biz dev, the partner people really grow into a role that has increased a lot as tech companies are now not just partnering with services companies, but they're partnering with other tech companies and they're building these joint solutions and there's a lot more complexity than there ever was. So I yeah. think there's an opportunity there for that space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've viewed it over the last couple of years that there's been a shift uh, away from PRM and kind of this monolithic kind of an, another, here's another application like Salesforce that you're going to have to get your IT people to run and you're going to have to fight for uh, engagement within your own, uh, your own team. And, and it, it's a, it's a struggle versus something like you said, um, like partner tap, which is, which is great for partnering with, uh, with your partners or a partner stack or, some of these applications that are actually sales acceleration um, type applications yep. um, that actually help everyone make more money at the end of the day. And, um, and if you can get a salesperson who believes in the technology that, that they're using, that they know it's going to make them more money, um, then, then you're going to get the engagement and people are going to start to use it on mass. Yeah, I agree. I think that like with any software adoption is always the number one challenge. And yep. you have to get that champion in yep. your sales organization because, you know, there's a couple of things as a partner person and a salesperson. There's, there's a couple of things. One is send me your list just drives me crazy. If I get another freaking spreadsheet, what am I going to do with it? Right? Like what is the action item that comes out of, Oh great. We have these customers in common. We're targeting these customers. You're, what, what's the action that actually comes out of that? Yeah. It's, it's literally nothing. Yeah. And it's a so that's one problem that I know you mentioned partner tap, they're trying to solve and they're doing a decent job of it. But the next level of what does it actually mean is the sales rep engagement. Yes. And sure. getting them to now log into another place. And I think yeah. that's really one of the problems, right? So, yeah. you know, I think of one of the big areas of growth that we're seeing is in sales enablement in general. Yes. And uh, there's a few players that are separating themselves in the pack. I think of Seismic, thinks of Showpad, and I think of Highspot as the three main players in that. And they all have their differentiation in the space. But a lot of outside of the really big companies that have had that function for a long time, sales enablement is tough to define. Is it training and coaching? Is it content that you're serving up throughout the sales process for the rep? Is it a content report? You know, there's all these different things that are defining what it is. Yeah. And Frankly, as we're sitting here talking about this, the piece that we just said about, oh, I have a partner that's over here and they may be able to give me some intelligence, that's kind of sales enablement as well, right? It's part, yeah, it's partner sales enablement. That's, right. It's, it's, so, it's its own thing, for sure. Right. But again, that, that additional login, that additional place to go, you yeah. know, people yeah. don't like going in Salesforce as it is, right? Yeah. But they have to. So how do we make this more accessible, right? Yeah. The, I think that's another thing that maybe some of the big companies will figure out is accessibility yep. and just part of your daily workflow. Yep. That, that could be a win for sure. Yep. 
That's wonderful. That's great. Well, you know, we're, we've been at this for about 25 minutes or so, um, which is, which is kind of a, an ideal target, but just kind of as we kind of roll through things, um, how about more on a kind of a personal note? Um, like what, what events do you, do you find useful um, as a, as a partner manager in, in this whole ecosystem? Uh, where do you like to go and hang out? Sure. Well, we will make our presence felt at Adobe summit coming up here in sure. the spring. Yep. It's, you know, Marketo Summit has been one of our bread and butters for the last decade. And now that they're a part of the Adobe ecosystem, we are diligently trying to find our way as a moving from a big fish in a relatively small pond to a very small fish in a very big pond. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, got its own set of challenges, but we will be there with bells on. And one of my absolute favorites, and this is just a shout out to Craig and Scott at Topo, their, their summit every year is very good. It started as sales professionals and has expanded to demand generation and ABM. And I can't tell you a group that brings together a more qualified, better group of speakers and attendees than those two. They do a real job. Where do they usually help hold that one? Typically in San Francisco. Okay. And they were one of the first to use, what is it, Peer... Is it Pier 37 right there where the, where the boats come in? They rent yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, really cool, right on the water. And yeah. it's a great event. We'll be there again this year and expect it to be nothing short of spectacular. Sweet. Awesome. Do you have any sort of sales anecdotes or no, sort of the big, the big wins that you've had in, in, in your career or big losses or things that, heart broke, that were heartbreaking or things that just put you over the top or any sort of personal anecdotes for our uh, – or friends listening, anything maybe pertaining to the, uh, the the partner world? Yeah, I think, well, partner sales and sales are similar, but relatively yeah. different things. I think in the partner world, you have to realize that it really takes time to build the level of trust with a partner sales rep that they won't throw you under the bus. Right. It's going to happen. It's happened to me several times where you're going down the cycle with a deal. It gets down to the end and things get tense and they, they'll hang you out to dry because right. if it means them getting their deal. Right. So beware, focus on the relationship, focus on producing good results for them. And that'll help a lot in the partner sales world. Nice. I think with, with anything in, in you know, direct selling, one of the things that I see software reps do really poorly is qualification and really wrapping their arms around what's a legitimate deal and what's not. And I know that big companies do such a, they hound you about forecasting and forecasting and forecasting, but you know, I work with a lot of these folks and their pipeline is just so bloated for the sake of showing a number. Mm -hmm. I think that, we're doing a bad job as an industry of teaching young reps how to really qualify what's a deal and what's not. And yeah, yeah. We're, we're bloating our systems and it's burned me. It's burned millions of different reps out there where you get happy years and you hear something, but that person on the other end isn't really willing to go through a sales cycle with you. And I think we could talk about bands and we can talk about this and we can talk about that, all these different methodologies, but have you found an individual who's willing to go through what could be a painful sales process with you mm -hmm. at some level of qualification, you can actually hang your hat on. Great. Right. That's awesome. That, that was, that was terrific. Thank you. 
Yeah. Um, for those um, that have the version of this uh, podcast uh, that has video on it, um, we've had a couple of slides up. Uh, right now we're showing uh, contact information for, for Josh uh, Wagner. Um, if you don't have that, if you're just listening to the audio side, uh, the best way is just to go to leadmd.com um, or you can reach out to Josh on email at josh at, um, at, at leadmd.com as well. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that was just a, a terrific uh, sort of 20, uh, 27 minutes or so that, uh, that you shared with us, Josh. We really, really do appreciate that. And um, yeah, we had, uh, we had talked about uh, maybe uh, getting out there and uh, hitting the ball, killing a few weeds, and uh, hopefully we can uh, do that in the, in the near future. Let's do it. Yeah, that, that sounds like a blast. Um, I've got one last page on here, just a, um, a plug for, for ourselves here at Peer-to-Peer -Peer Partners. Uh, we're in the business of accelerating uh, cloud ISVs revenues from the partner ecosystem and partner co-sell enablement and uh, both through technology and coaching and then the partner ecosystem strategy and some done-for-you partner programs. So we're here to help as well. Feel free to reach out to us. We can be reached at peer2peerpartners.com. Uh, my name is Tom Newton. I'm just Tom at peer2peerpartners.com. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was it. Hopefully, it was enjoyable for everyone, and we hope to uh, hear uh, from all of you. And uh, once again, Josh, thanks for your time today. You bet, Tom. Talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks.